How are you guys doing today? You guys doing good? You know, I have to be honest with you. Um, I didn't want to like really preach like a uh, New Year's sermon because I'm not the best person about New Year's because I'm just honestly not that excited about New Year's anymore. And I realized I was laughing about it because I realized that it makes me old. Cause you know, like when you're young and you're like in college and stuff, you're like, woo! Like you love New Year's. And you stay out like heck late, and you like, and like 12 o'clock's just like the beginning, and you stay out till like two or three in the morning. Like I used to do that. And then um, it's kind of like your birthday when you get older. I got a newsflash for anyone who's like under the age of 30. Like once you turn 30, like after that, like your birthday's not that exciting. It's like woo, 31. Woo, 32. Woo, 33. <laughs> it's like not that exciting. So that's kind of how I see New Year's. It's like, woo, 2018. Woo, 2019. So I really like, in general, like I just don't get that excited about it. And, uh, and I realized that um, it's not that it's wrong. I think I just had the wrong perspective. You guys hear me? As I realized, I caught myself. That's the power of perspective. And, you know, it's so funny because same thing with aging. You know, I realized that when you get older, um, you can celebrate your birthday, but it's all about your perspective. And so that's what I want to give today. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, if you've uh, noticed that PB, we have a vision for this year. It's called Moving with God in 2020. But, you know, before we even do that, I think it's important that something that's necessary for us to move anywhere is always vision. We need vision. Because without vision, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're aiming for. You don't know what you're aspiring to accomplish, right? Without vision, you can't move anywhere. And so I want to tell you something I realized about New Year's is that it is actually really important. And I want to just be like really um, practical right now in the beginning. I want to tell you that there is a really big benefit to New Year's. Because I don't know, maybe you're like me and you're just like, I don't really care about it, but I want to change your mind, okay? Because after I prayed and meditated about it this week, I'm actually really excited about this year. And so I want you to know that New Year's is good because it's a natural progression of things. It's a natural cycle. And I want you to know that God created time in a cycle. He didn't have to do that. He created seasons for a reason. So it creates a, it creates a pattern. And why are patterns necessary? Patterns are necessary because when you get back to the same part of the pattern that you were at previously, it's an easy way to measure where you were the previous time you were at that exact same spot. Does that make sense, guys? So patterns are actually a gift from God because God could have just made it like crazy where like everything's always different all the time. Do you know how hectic your life would be? Like there's no such thing as January, February, March, April. It's just like day 300,786, you know, and then you just go on to the next day and then the next day and the next day. That's horrible. But God didn't do that. God created a cycle so that it's easy to measure your progress. It's easy to measure where you've been. It's easy to measure how far you've gone and how fast or how slow you're moving because God created regular intervals, a natural cycle. And that's a beautiful thing. And so New Year's is that perfect opportunity where it's a natural break. It's a natural progression in things where you say one thing is ending and another thing is starting. So it's a perfect opportunity to do that. And so with that, there are two things that I believe we need to do at this moment. And I think the first one is actually harder for people than the second one. So maybe I'll go to the second one first. The second thing is what we normally do is that we always look at what we need to work on, right? So it's good, right? Like, it's at a point where you stop and you think about 2019, what you needed to work on, or maybe what you want to work on moving into 2020, right? And it's just like in sports, there's a halftime. You know, you know why there's a halftime? 
Halftime is so crucial because you could think, right, they could just play like all the way through and not stop, right? They could do that, right? But halftime is actually extremely important in sports because it's literally a time to take a breath. It's literally a time to stop moving, to stop doing what you were doing previously, to sit down and really evaluate. And I think that's what God wants you to do today. Like, don't move so quickly into 2020. Like, take a halftime, take a break, take a breath. <sighs> when you're not doing anything before you move into 2020 and really think about what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to work on? What do you want to improve on? And if you watch sports as much as I do, you know any good team always makes adjustments at halftime. And they play completely differently than the, than the way the, they did the first half. And I believe that's the same thing that you can do from 2019 to 2020, okay? But the second thing that I actually feel like we need to do with, that we are really bad at doing is actually celebrating the good that happened in 2019. You know, I feel like we... It's not a bad thing, but especially here in the Bay Area, we are so product-driven and productivity-driven that we're always going to the next thing. What can I do next? What can I accomplish next? What's the next task at hand? What's the next thing I can do? How can I improve and get better? Which is not a bad thing. But you know what the secret is that I learned to really progressing and moving forward in your life? is actually when you learn how to celebrate the things that you've done well. Because sooner or later, you're going to get to a point where you feel like you're so burnt out. You don't have anything that you're happy about because you're always looking at what needs to be done next, what needs to be improved next. But the secret I learned is that the people who are actually the most effective are the ones who take the right time at the right moments to actually celebrate what they've done well. They take a little celebration, a little victory, because when you actually can stop and say, you know what, maybe I didn't get to this point that I wanted to go to, but I got this far and you celebrate that, that gives you the fuel and the encouragement and the motivation to move on. But if you never stop and look at even a little bit of progress, you're going to be discouraged. And so can I challenge you that also, that 2019 may have not been your best year, but that's okay. But I believe that to be truly motivated and to be pushed into 2020, you have to look at every little victory and be thankful for it and say, you know what, God, thank you for that. Even if it was little, in my eyes, Lord, I know it's from you, and it's good. And that way, you'll have enough to, to feed your own heart, that you won't become restless and discouraged, that you can move on. So to celebrate what is good. All right, guys? I want you to know that has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. But I just wanted to tell you that, because I felt like it was really practical. <laughs> but what actually I feel is more important than those two things is what I talked about, is vision. And I want you to know vision gives two very important things. Vision gives direction and it gives hope. And so you can do everything that I just said. You could be really good at evaluating your life. You could be really good at looking at what you need to work on. And you could be super good at celebrating your victories. But still, if you don't have the correct vision, which gives you direction and hope, you actually don't know where you're going. And you don't know what's next. And you don't have something to anticipate or look forward to. So I believe today... Yeah, I, I know you guys are on social media. You guys see all those like 2020 stuff? Everyone's doing vision? Yeah, I basically took that. So I want to give you your vision for 2020. And I believe that God wants you to see very clearly what he wants to do in your life because I think it's going to be powerful. You guys ready for that? Yeah. yeah, let's go. So today, I want to 
bring you to a story where there was someone in the Bible who was in transition. Because I feel like it's perfect. Because at this moment in time, we are also in transition. You're transitioning from the end of one year to the start of another. So if you can turn with me or I'll read it to you. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 28. And we're going to start at verse 10. And it's the story of Jacob. And it's the story of Jacob, and he had a dream. And so let's just read this story, and then we'll go into it, okay, guys? So I'm going to start at verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba. Don't look at that. You're not going to have the whole thing. Those, these are just my uh, cliff notes. So this verse is particularly important. So Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Man, what a powerful story. This is probably... Like, oh my gosh, every time I read this story, like, I just get, like, the chills. I just get the chills. And so you need to know something about Jacob first before we get into this story. Can we go back to that very first one, first 10 and 11? I want you to read the very first line again. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. What does that say right there? Right there, this shows us that Jacob was in transition. Jacob was moving. He was leaving his home where his family was in Beersheba and going to another land, going somewhere far in Haran. Now, if you don't know the story of Jacob, I'll give it to you real quick, real quick, real quick. Basically, he's a really messed up brother. He has an older brother that he stole two very important things from. In the Israelite community and society, the eldest brother gets a double portion called his birthright of actual physical land. So it's kind of like in their will, they always give twice as much to the oldest son. So Jacob tricked his brother out of it. Long story, his brother was really hungry because he was hunting and didn't catch anything. So he came back really hungry, and his brother was cooking, and he said, give me something to eat. And Jacob said, no, sell me your birthright first. And then Esau, his brother, stupidly sold it. And so he sold his land for, like, some bean soup, okay? So that's the end of the story. So that's the first thing that pissed him off. The second thing was that also there's a special prayer blessing that the father gives to the eldest son. It's more of a spiritual inheritance. And so when his father was getting super old and he couldn't see anymore, he said, Esau, go and kill some game, like, you know, some wild game and make me a meal and I'll eat it and then I'll lay my hands on you and I'll bless you. And so when Esau went to go hunt, um, Jacob and his mom, or well, they're both their moms, Rebecca, they uh, made a little plan that he would go in first. So they just went to the flock. They didn't go hunt for it. <laughs> they killed it. They cooked the meal first. They put hair on him because Jacob was smooth-skinned and Esau looked like me. And then he went in and he tricked his father because his father couldn't see. His father was blind. 
and he laid his hands on Jacob and gave Jacob the blessing. So now that was the second straw. And so Esau, when he came back, he was so sad, but he was also so bitter and angry that he said to himself, when my father dies, I'm going to kill my brother. And so at that moment, Rebecca said, Jacob, you have to leave. You have to run away. You have to get out of here. So this is where we pick up the story. This is literally right after she says, you have to leave home. You have to get out. And so I'm wondering, are you like Jacob right now? You know, do you feel like you're in transition? Do you feel like you're like Jacob, where you're just barely surviving? You know, I don't know what your 2019 was like, but I wonder, do you feel like, man, I'm just barely surviving? Like, I just barely made it out. Like, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's good, what's in front of me. I just barely got out of 2019. I want you to know that this story of Jacob before he sees God, that's life without vision. Jacob didn't have a vision for his life. He was just acting a fool, picking on his brother, doing what he thought was right, like trying to accumulate, 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 and it all blew up in his face. You know, he didn't expect that he was going to have to run away from home, right? He just thought, it's not a big deal. I'll just steal it from my brother. He's not going to kill me. He might hate me. But it worked out way worse than he anticipated. And so now he got kicked out of home. He's running away to a land he's never been to see an uncle he's never met. It's all this kind of like really shady plan, and he has nothing to his name. He has nothing. And he's just running. He's on the run. And I wonder if you're like Jacob in that way. Or maybe you're like Jacob in that you don't know where you're going. Maybe you're not in a survival mode, but you just don't know where you're going. Maybe you made a plan in 2019 and it didn't work out. You made a plan to do something, to complete something, and it didn't pan out. Or maybe you've been fighting for this one dream, this one career, this one position, this one thing you're so passionate about to do, but you just keep hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, and 2019 wasn't any different. And you're just like, dang. And you don't know where else to go. Like, I came up with, I, I don't have any more plans, God. I came up with every plan possible. There's nothing left. There's nowhere left for me to go. There's nowhere left for me to go but to just give up on my dream, just give up on what I wanted to do, to give up what was important to me, maybe to give up on my family that I wanted to restore that relationship, to give up on trying to restore a relationship with my father or with my mother or with my brothers or sisters. I just can't anymore, God. There's nowhere left to go. There's nothing left. Maybe you feel like Jacob in that way where he has no direction. Or maybe you feel like Jacob where you don't have anything good in your life. You have no hope. You're not looking forward to 2020 because you don't think that there's anything good in 2020 for you. Can I just tell you how bad Jacob's situation was? I wish I wrote this verse down for you, but there's, oh, it's right there. God is so good. I wrote it down in my sleep. It was there. Look what it says in the second sentence. It says, taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down. Okay, I'm sorry. That's really bad situation. If you're ever in a situation where you have to sleep on a rock, literally, you literally have to sleep on a rock, that's bad. You can come stay at our house, okay? That, I'm just kidding. Anna's like, what? Stranger danger. Anyway, I'll buy you a pillow. Okay, well, there's a compromise. We'll split it in half. Like, that's horrible. Come on, guys, seriously. He's got nothing. Like, I'm thinking, like, take off your jacket and roll it up or something. Like, he got nothing. He's sleeping on a rock. Like, literally, literally. So, like, we have to be careful when we say literally. This is literally what happened. He's sleeping on a rock. Do you know how bad of a situation you got to be to sleep on a rock? So Jacob understands he has nothing good going on in his life right now. 
nothing, nothing. I wonder if you feel like that too. You look at everything in your life and you say, God, I got nothing good. What's there to look forward to? Why, 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 why would I be excited about 2020? There's nothing good in my life. And you, and you just go down the list. And you're just looking at everything. And you say, God, nothing good. Nothing good. Nothing good. I want you guys to know, I understand, and I've felt these ways before, but this is how important to have vision is. Because when you live without vision, you end up in this really desolate place like Jacob. But there's hope, guys. Because let me tell you, we're about to get to this part. But that's when God stepped in and everything changed. Let's go to that. You guys ready for that? Mm, let's get to the good stuff. So let's read about the dream that he had. He's sleeping and he sees this dream. And it says, and he dreamed and behold. You know, anytime it says behold, it's like, it's like the author is saying, stop, pay attention. This is really important. It's like, look once, look twice. Behold. It's like, put it before your gaze. This is important. And so the author says, and he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven. And there it is again. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And let me tell you guys something. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. But you might be like, what does this mean, right? This is all a bunch of like super crazy spiritual fluffy language. Like you might be thinking, what does this mean? What does it mean that there's a ladder from heaven touching the earth and there's angels coming up and down? I want you guys to tell you something. What this means is that God was telling him that in that very place, heaven was touching the earth. He was telling him right now in this desolate place where you're literally sleeping on like fruity pebbles, there's literally heaven touching earth. What you think is desolate is actually where I'm dwelling. He said, where you think there's nothing, he said, oh, there's way more going on than you can ever imagine. Where you think that there's absolutely nothing good, he says, my very presence is there. The ladder from heaven is touching the earth and God's very angels are coming up and down. It's like a highway, a highway for angels. It's highway traffic. It's like so jammed up in that place. That's so crazy. Isn't that crazy, guys? Come on. I, I want you guys to know something. And you might be like, even that, what does that mean? I went, I went real deep for you guys. I said, if I say to them, Lord, that heaven is touching earth, do they even know what that means? Can I define that for you? Can I tell you what that means? When heaven touches earth, that's just fancy language for saying that the kingdom of God is in that place. And what, what is the kingdom of God? It's real simple. It's real simple. The kingdom of God is the place where he reigns and where he rules. It's where his power and his presence are manifest in that very place. And so in that very place, Jacob realized that even though in the natural, he saw absolutely nothing in that place was the kingdom of God. In that place was where God was reigning and God was ruling. It was where his presence was and his power was in that place. And I want to tell someone this, because I think this is for somebody here today, that you look at your life and you say, I got nothing in my life. I have nothing going on. I have nothing good. But let me tell you something. God opened Jacob's eyes in that moment and showed him the real reality of what was happening in his life. And I want to pray that for you right now. I want you to take a step of faith today that would you consider praying right now and asking God to open your eyes into the parts of your life that you feel like there's nothing good, that there's nothing moving, that there's nothing that can come from this, and that God would show you 
that his kingdom is there. His kingdom is here for you. His kingdom is on earth. And let me tell you something. I know it's hard, but can I challenge you? You know what the craziest part of this whole story is? I got to give you more. I got to give you more. I got to give you more. So good. Jacob. Jacob is a Christian. Do you realize that? I want to use that term very loosely, but Jacob's a Christian. He's like, he's, like, he's like those of you who know Jesus, but he hasn't seen Jesus yet. You guys get what I'm saying? He knows Jesus. You know why? Because his father is Isaac, and his father after him is Abraham. They knew God. So you know for a fact that he was brought up in the church. He was brought up and taught everything about God. There's no way he doesn't know who God is. They don't even know God's name yet because God's name isn't revealed until Moses, that my name is Yahweh. So do you know what they call God? They literally call God the God of my father. They say that this is God of my father. This is God of Isaac. This is God of Abraham. So he knows God because it's literally defined by his father. This is, well, I know God because he's God of my father and God of my father's father. So he knows God. But, but do you think he had any vision of who God was? Look at the way he was living his life, stealing from his brother, trying to accumulate, trying to swindle his whole life. He had no vision of God. He knew God, but he never saw God. I'm going to tell you guys today, I see so many Christians today, they know God, but let me tell you something, I don't think they've ever seen God. I see so many Christians, they know God, they know all about God, they read the Bible, it's for free now, it's on Bible Gateway, you can read it all day long, they read it all the time, they know more about God, but let me tell you something, when they go out into the world, when they live their life, they never see God. They never see him anywhere in their life. They just put God in a box, I know you, and they just go around their whole life, living life in the natural, just looking around at everything in the natural, doing their career in the natural, handling their problems in the natural, handling their family in the natural, thinking about what, what they want to do with their future, what's their aspirations, what their goals. They all make their, those, those decisions in the natural. And they don't see God I'm here to tell you guys today that for 2020, I believe God wants to open your eyes to give you real vision, to see that his presence is closer than you realize, that he wants to bring heaven down into every area of your life. It's not just church. It's not just spiritual stuff. It's not just when you need help with a, with a crazy problem that you can't handle in the natural. God wants to bring heavenly reality into every part of your life, into every situation, no matter how big or how small. I believe that with all my heart. It's time for us to not just know Jesus, but I want to ask you, do you see Jesus? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Don't be like Jacob. He's walking around. He walked right into the house of God and slept on a rock and didn't even know that there were millions of angels in that very place. But how many of us are just like that? How many of us are just like that? Let me tell you guys something. There's one more thing I got to tell you. There's one more thing I got to tell you. A lot of times, we think the presence of God can only come in certain places. Certain places. Spiritual places. Like when I go to church, he's there, because that makes sense, right? When I go to a concert, a Christian concert, he's there, right? Because that makes sense, right? When I hear worship music, then that makes sense. Let me guys tell you something. That doesn't, that doesn't, that's not the secret sauce. <laughs> that, 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 that doesn't bring the spirit of God anywhere. Let me tell you something. Can I be real with you guys? Oh, this might offend some people. I'm about to say it. I've been to churches where the presence of God is not there. Amen. I walked into a service before, and the presence of God was not there. I, I walked up into a church, and I was like, it ain't here. I, I wasn't trying to be mean, but I was just surprised. Can I tell you the reason why when you come to Living Hope, the presence of God is here? 
There's no secret sauce, okay? We didn't like discover something special and then like we just like rub it all over living hope and it's only here. Do you know why it's here? It's because we ask for it. Let me say it one more time. I know you guys caught that. The reason why the presence of God is in this church is because we ask for it. That's what shift is. That's why we shift. That's why it's so important to this house because we don't want to miss the presence of God. The reason why when you walk into this place and you feel like it's different is because there are leaders, there are elders, there are pastors, there are people, there are members who get on their hands and knees every Sunday morning and they pray and they ask for that presence. That's why he comes here. But let me tell you something. When you walk out this place, it's the same thing. I guarantee you, if you have your own little shift prayer with just you and Jesus, I promise you the presence of God will come. But we don't do that. Do you guys realize that? We don't take the time to do that because we think that's a spiritual activity. We think that's a church activity. No, no, it's a relational activity. That's an invitation to ask Jesus to open your eyes to see him in that very place, in that very place. But we don't do it. Let me tell you guys something. There's no secret sauce. When you ask, he comes. Let me tell you one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. Oh, so good, so good. I hear this another thing. I hear this other thing. People say all the time, Jeremy, how do you know Jesus is going to do something in my life? How do you know he wants to go into that dead place? How do you know he wants to redeem that desolate place? How do you know he wants to bring heaven down in every place of my life? That just sounds really good, Jeremy. But you know what? How do you know that? You don't know my life. You don't know what's going on. You don't know how hard it is. You don't know what it's going to take to fix that situation. You're right. I don't. But there's a promise that God gave. That's why. I want you to know something. You, see that, you know that vision that Jacob got? To see the ladder coming down on heaven? Let me tell you, tell you something. You've received a greater vision. Let me tell you something. There is something greater than that vision that has come. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ came down that ladder for the very last time. That Jesus Christ, his very mission was to bring heaven to this earth. He was the embodiment of the kingdom of God. He came as the one to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. He became a man for that very reason, to say, you know what? It's no longer up here only. It's only, it's only up here. He said, no, I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it for you, and I'm going to bring it inside of you. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, and you have Holy Spirit inside of you, you have the kingdom of God inside of you everywhere you go everywhere you go and you have the ability to have a heavenly reality released whenever you ask for it because you have Jesus inside of you the very kingdom of God but how many of us don't use it how many of us don't step into that reality how many of us never activate that that's vision guys that's when you live without vision. It's like you have the key, but you never open the door with it because you didn't see that you had it in your hand. Do you guys see that? God wants to unlock heavenly realities into your life. You know, it's just, I know this sounds real crazy, right? Especially if you haven't been to church before. Like, this guy's crazy. He's talking about heavenly realities. But I, 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 let me just tell you guys something. When you live your life on earth, you have two choices to make. And you're always making these choices whether you realize it or not. You can either live aware of heavenly spiritual things and know that there's a God who loves you and know that there's a God who is for you, or you can live unaware of that and always be moving away from it. 
You're either walking into that reality or you're walking out of it. There's, you, you cannot be standing still. Can I tell you guys something? There's no earthly reality. I know that sounds crazy. I just blew some of your minds. There's no earthly reality. There is only when you live inside of a spiritual heavenly reality and you know that he is there or you're living outside of it. There's no earthly reality. There's no middle ground, guys. And I believe that God for 2020 is saying, are you willing to ask for your eyes to be opened and to see the heavenly reality that inside of you where Jesus Christ resides, that is the very ladder of heaven. You have the ladder and it's going right down everywhere you walk. But do you know it? And do you ask for it to be released? How powerful is that? Mm, that's good. All right. So, but now I have a promise for you though. Okay, okay, okay. I got a promise for you. I got a promise for you. Okay. So it's not just that. But the first thing that Jacob received was a revelation of God's presence. But then God gave him a promise. And I believe this year, God wants to release a promise in your life too. He doesn't just want you to know that he's near. But he wants to let you know that he's about to move. And he's asking are you going to move with me? He's asking, I'm going to move in your life, but are you going to come with me? That's what he's asking. And let's look at Jacob's response. Oh my gosh, I love his response. Can we go to the next part? This is my prayer for you guys. This is my prayer for you guys. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. I'm going to stop right there. She says, he says, surely the Lord is in this place. How many times do you guys feel like God's there and you go, I'm not so sure. You're like, that felt like God, but I'm not so sure. And you're like, God, can you do it again? Because you didn't think it was real the first time. Come on, am I the only one? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. So, or sometimes you go to church, right? And you have this powerful worship experience and you're like, and you go home and you're like, was that God? I'm not so sure. Maybe if it happens again. Come on, guys. Jacob had that same decision. He had a dream, right? He could have woke up and said, that was just a dream. That was just a dream. You guys ever feel that? When you feel the Holy Spirit tapping on your chest, tapping on your shoulder, you could be like, oh, I I think that's just my emotions. I think that was just, you know, I got caught up in the moment. I'm not sure. Guys, the first thing you need is faith. Jacob exercised faith. The moment he woke up, he didn't doubt what he saw. He said, surely the Lord is in this place. I want you guys to know, sometimes we look for this like crazy, like grander, like experience. You might get it. I mean, good for you. I mean, I'd be jealous. I never got that. (laughs) But you get this crazy experience. You're like, wow, right? But let me know. I want to tell you guys something. God doesn't always move like that. Sometimes he moves gently. The spirit of God is gentle. He's not a God that's going to like knock you over the head. He's a gentle spirit. And you can't miss it. Don't miss it. When he touches you, don't miss it. When he whispers to you, don't miss it. Guys, so you have to have the faith. Don't doubt when the spirit of God touches you. Don't doubt. He says, surely the Lord is in this place. And catch this next part. He says, and I did not know it. And I did not know it. It's okay you don't know. It's okay. But the moment he touches you, don't go back. Don't go back to not knowing. Don't go back to doubting. He said, and I did not know it. Oh, and this part is so good. And he said, and he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? You guys know what the word awesome is? I can't say it in Hebrew like PB because I didn't didn't take my Hebrew class yet. (laughs) 
but I can tell you what it means in English. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, I don't even know how to speak Hebrew. I haven't gone there yet. Uh, next year. So awesome, though. Awesome means in English. <laughs> Y'all heck of trolls. Come on. So how, what awesome means in English is it means fearful, full of fear. How awesome is this place? How scary is this place? Not scary like Halloween, but what Jacob was saying was like, it's scary like, oh my gosh, he's trembling at the fact that God is standing right above him. He's trembling in awe and reverence. He's saying how awesome, how this place is so crazy, it's like making me tremble with fear, but fear of like its, its enormity, Fear of its weight, fear of its significance, fear of its size, fear of its glory, its value. You guys sense that? Something so, it's, 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 like, it's like if I literally like, if I literally like gave you a check, like a cashier's check for like $50 million, but it was like the thinnest check you ever saw, you'd be like, oh my God, this is so awesome, but it's like so thin, you don't want to break it. It's like that. It's like, oh my gosh, if I break this, it's like $50 million in the drain. It's like so delicate. It's like so valuable. That's how awesome it is. You'd be like fearful to like carry that check anywhere because it's so valuable. That's what that's like. He said, how awesome is this place? And then he says, this is none other than the house of God. House is where God dwells. Do you guys know that God dwells inside of you and he wants to dwell inside of you that's the other reason why i know anywhere you go heaven can break out because god came jesus came to make his dwelling among you to make his dwelling with man you know jesus other name is emmanuel which is god with us he wants to be literally with you wherever you go wherever you go wherever you lay your head, even if you lay your head on a rock. <laughs> and the last thing he says is, this is the gate of heaven. You guys know what gate is? I can't say that word in Hebrew either, but I'll tell you what it means in English again. <laughs> <laughs> gate in, that, in, in, in this context means entrance or flow. It's like, it's like a dam when like the dam I don't know, do dams have doors? I don't know. What's up when the dam opens? <laughs> like when the dam opens and water comes gushing out, it's like that. That's what the gate is. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, like, it's not like a gate like, like a white picketed fence. It's not like, Arr! it's like a gate that's holding back a flood. It's the way in which something rushes through, flows through, and enters. And God is saying, in this place, he said, my presence will flow through this very place, the place where Jacob was. Let me, guys, let me tell you guys something. Right now, God wants to make your very life that place where his presence flows through. God wants to let you know that your heart is the gate of heaven if you choose it to be, if you let it be. And if you open that gate, God is saying, I'm going to let it flow right out into your life. I'm going to let the heavens flow right out, and it will not stop. It is so much that you cannot even hold it back. That it will just burst forth. It will flow through. And the very entrance to heaven will be through your very life. Do you realize that if you let that happen, it won't just affect your life. It will affect every life around you. And that's how I know even your situations that you pray for, if you acknowledge God 
it will change. If you acknowledge the Lord and his presence and you let him flow through you and you become the gate of heaven, everyone around you will be affected by it. Your family cannot help but be affected by it. Your workplace cannot help but be affected by it. All your relationships cannot be helped but not be helped. Cannot help but be affected by it. Thank you. Oh, that's love right there. She got my back. Just wait till I start speaking in Hebrew. All right. Let's get to the last part. Can I have the worship team come back up? I'm going to get to your promise. I know that's what you're all waiting for. But can I let you guys know something? I want you to value the presence of God more than the promise. I want you to value the presence of God more than the promise. But I do have a promise for you. You know, I was praying and I asked God, what do you want the people to hear this year? What do you want them to have a theme for 2020? You gave me one word. He gave me one word. It's kind of weird. You guys stay with me, okay? He gave me the word turnover. Turnover. He said, this is the year of turnover. Okay, not, not, not those triangle-shaped baked goods that are delicious with apple or cherry. He says turnover. I got I to explain it because I was thinking about sports. You know, in sports, there's only one ball on the court, right? And when you have possession of that ball, you're in control. But God is saying, this is the year of Turnover. This is the year of turnover because God is asking in this year, most of us think we're in control. He's saying in this year, if you turn it over and you put that ball in my hand, just watch what I do. Just watch what I do. Just watch what I do. You know, in football, turnovers are so important. It changes the entire game. Real quick, I know the girls are looking at me like, oh, guys, I'm talking about football. Come on, it's going to be powerful, I promise. You don't score until you get the ball into the end zone, right? Let me tell you something. You could be living your whole life and you just feel like you're going backwards and you're not making any progress and you feel like you're still on the one yard line. You could feel like the enemy has the ball and he's just about to just destroy your life and get past that goal line. But let, let me tell you something. You know how powerful a turnover is? The moment you turn over, the enemy stops moving. The other team has the ball. The moment a turnover happens, that team stops moving because they don't have the ball anymore. God is saying that's how powerful turnover is. When you choose to turn your life over into my hands, I will stop the flow and immediately we're going the other way. Come on, somebody. This is for somebody right now. The moment you turn over and you give God possession of your life, you give God possession of that situation, you give God possession of that dream, of that prayer, of that, of that goal that you had, God's saying we're going the other way. We're about to go the other way. Everything that happened in the past don't matter anymore because now the ball's in my hand and we're going the other way. And the enemy and anyone else cannot do anything to you because they don't have possession. God's saying this is the year of turnover. 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 And can I be honest with you guys? Sometimes you're your worst own, you're, you're your own worst enemy. You want to control your life. You want to make the plan. You think you have it figured out. And then maybe you end up like Jacob in the middle of nowhere. Wondering what's next. Sleeping on a rock. It's time to turn over. You're on the one-yard line. I'm sorry. If you're sleeping on the rock, you're on the one-yard line. You need to turn over. You need to take that ball out of your hands and be like, ah, oh, Jesus, you're the quarterback. Take over. I'm, I can't do this. But I guarantee you, the moment he's, he's, he's in control, your whole life changes. The moment he's in control, you start going the opposite way. Your whole life turns around. That's the power of a turnover. That's the power of turnover right now. So I want you right now just to close your eyes right now. We're, gonna about, to, we're about to worship. I want you just to just, just interact with God right now. Just interact with God right now. What part of your life do you need more awareness of his presence? And secondly, what part of your life are you unwilling to give him control of? 
Because now in 2020, God is saying, turn it over to me. Turn it over to me and watch what I'm about to do. Turn it over to me and watch all the progress I'm going to make in your life. Turn it over to me and watch how my way is greater than your way. Turn it over into my hands and watch the miracles I'm about to do in your life. Turn it over into my hands and watch everything I'm going to release into your life. The heavenly realities I'm about to pour out into your life. The kingdom of God, my very power and my very rule and my very dominion over every area of your life. He said, you want to see progress? You want to see movement? He says, I'm moving, but I'm moving that way. I'm moving the other way. You, when you don't have vision, you don't know where God's going. God's saying, I'm going this way, but you're going the wrong way. He said, turn the ball over to me. Give me possession of the ball. Give me possession of your life. Woo. Mm. Mm. I ain't going to let the devil distract us. Uh-uh. He don't like what I said. That's how I know. Don't be distracted. And then you, Chris, you all good. No, it's not you. <laughs> Come on, guys. Don't get distracted. The Lord is here. What part of your life do you need to give up right now? What part of your life? God wants to start moving in the right direction, but you got to give him possession. He's asking, are you coming with me? I'm about to go to the end zone. I'm about to go to the other side. I'm about to make real change. But you got to give him full possession. You got to give it to him right now. Turn it over right now. Turn over right now. Come on, let's worship right now. Let's worship him right now.